Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. This is Bethany, by the way. This is my wife. We're going to be tag teaming today, but I'll get to that in a minute. If you've not joined a community, get online on the, uh, the website, thedwellingchurch.org, and click on the communities button and get in a group. Get in a community. All right, so um, also we've got a big day. This is a big day because elementary class is launching today. So right back there, we have a space now for diaper babies all the way through fifth grade. That's a huge win. That's a huge win. Creating spaces for people. Uh, they're, you know, they're not just the next generation of what the church will be. They're the church now. And I love the, the phrase, there's no junior Holy Spirit. What God's doing in our life, he, probably even more, it's magnified in kids' lives. They got more faith. There's more faith back there than there is in this room, I believe, you know? They just believe Jesus. And uh, we can learn a lot from them. But hey, if you want to invest in some kiddos and serving kids' ministry, Meet out the greenery wall after this is over. And if it's your first time, meet out there too. And uh, also, uh, we've got a, a need that I want to I tell you about. Uh, if you're watching online right now, thank you for joining us this morning. Somebody is making that happen right now. We've got people running around with cameras up here, people back there with cameras. There's people back in the room that you can't see. They're unseen right now. But they're making a space for people online. Can we give it up for our, our media team? So thankful for them. And uh, we, we've got some spots open for that team to make that happen. It's important. And we want to we wanna, uh, just make space for more people on that team because we need it right now to keep that going, to create an online uh, space for people to encounter God, discover who they are in Him, and uh, find their purpose. And so if you're interested in serving on, on that team, um, you may say, I don't know anything about that stuff. Well, probably everybody on the team didn't either when they started. So we can train you, okay? So stand up, Adam. This is Adam Hooper, our worship creative pastor. He's gonna be out in that glass room right there on the way out um, after service. Connect with him, and he's gonna give you the spiel on media team, okay? And what that means and what that looks like. And uh, there are a few of you guys that already served back there. And I'm just, every week, somebody's like, I'm so thankful for the live stream because my baby's sick this morning, but we get to worship with you guys. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. We've had people find the church through, through online before they ever, this first impression. So what you do uh, on this team is, is a big deal. So if you want to be a part of that, it'd be awesome. Meet with Adam in the glass area after, after church. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are y'all ready? ready. I've been looking forward to this. We're starting a new series today called You Go Girl. Everybody say, just go ahead and say it. I know y'all want to say it. Girl with a U, not an I, you know. And uh, and so uh, I just, I'm so cool. I'm cool. So hip. Um, So... Today, Bethany and I are going to tag team this thing, and uh, this is the goal of this series. Why are we doing a series called You You Go Girl? What is that even about? Well, we believe that the Bible affirms and values women, 
and we want to be biblical. Is that good enough reason? And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks, and I've, I've been so pumped about this series, just like months ago, I think, probably just a year ago, even talked about doing this series. It's something very passionate in my heart. Um, it's something, if you probably notice, like women are on this platform and they have a mic every once in a while, you know. Um, it's something we do around here. There are, you know, depending on what background you come from, there's different views on women and our, the roles that God has them to play, not in, not just in, um, in the workplace and home, but also in church as well. And we're going to try during this series to kind of clear up some confusion and bring some clarity to some of those questions. And, um, and also today, what we're really trying to do is just do a 30,000 foot view of women in the Bible. And then next week, we're going to zoom in. Okay, so we're zooming out today. Next week, we're zooming in, and I'm going to get in the weeds, and y'all pray for me because I'm going to be by myself, and I won't have her up here next week. But I'm going to answer some of those questions next week, so I hope that whets your appetite for some of that. But today, the 30,000-foot view, and, um, and I have a big ask for you. We have approached this subject with a lot of humility in our lives, like, just because, how many know when you just don't know something, you're pretty humble? <laughs> you're prideful when you think you know it and you got all the answers. I'll go ahead and tell you, and I'll speak for Bethany too. We don't have all the answers on this stuff or a lot of stuff. But what we're doing is we're coming at this with humility. And what we're asking you is to have an open mind and have an open heart. Can we do that? To actually dig in and to see what does the Bible say? about this stuff. A lot of things um, you hear in church, well, it's very clear the Bible says, you know, this or that. Sometimes it's not so clear. Sometimes we think it's really clear and we're really sure of things. What I'm asking you to do is just be open to let the Lord speak to you and let the Bible have its way in us. How many know we don't change the Bible? The Bible changes us. And so that's where we're coming from this morning. And so we're going to go. Here's the goal. We're going to get through the whole Bible. This, this, I'll say this morning, about eight or nine hours from now, we'll be able to um, eat supper. So just voluntold your fasting today. I'm just kidding. Some of y'all think I'm serious. I'm like, I don't know him. I don't know. But we're going to go through the whole Bible. And Bethany's going to kick us off with the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament say? about women. It's your turn. I love the Old Testament. It's so weird and wild, but so rich. So that's why I'm excited I get to do the Old Testament. So let's start at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And said to them, see how many thems there are in this verse? Them. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So he said a lot of things to them, right? So from the beginning, woman's purpose was the same as man's here. Rule, be God's imager on earth. She was made in his image. Fill the earth, 
partner with him to extend the kingdom on earth. Them, 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 them. He blessed them to co-rule. And that hasn't changed. So one thing that's important about the garden, the reason that we look at the garden for so many of our um, examples of how things are supposed to be is because this was God's original intent before sin came in and before we chose to do things our own way, before we were influenced by the enemy. So it's important to look at creation as a picture just because you can see more about, well, what was God thinking from the beginning? And now that Jesus has come, what are we headed toward? What are we bringing back when we bring the kingdom? Um, so the Lord God said, this is in Genesis chapter 2, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So first of all, let's note that in chapter 2 that God doesn't rest, you know, it said, or I guess that's in chapter 1. He doesn't rest from all his work on the seventh day until woman is created. He had to create woman before he was finished. And he said it was good all along. But after he created woman, he rested. Creation was complete. Now, this word helper here, this is a really exciting part. When I found this out a couple of years ago. I will make a helper suitable for her. Now, I don't speak um, Hebrew. But this word is ezer. Something like that. Helper. Good to me. So here's what's cool about this. When you go through and you cross-reference every instance in the Old Testament where this word was used, there are only three times when it was not used to refer to either the way the woman is a helper or the way God himself is a helper. Those three times, it was in reference to like people were in bad shape. They thought they had help. They didn't have help. But my point is... This word helper, it's not exactly talking about the kind of helper you would think, like a maid or somebody that came along separate or second or the man has the important thing and the woman's just kind of an accessory. This helper refers to the way God himself helps. Let me tell you, Psalm 115, if you want to go read it later, has a lot of these words in it. And the most common use is, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. So help. And so over and over in the Old Testament, he is their help. He is our help. It's talking about God. Same word. Now, I don't claim to be Holy Spirit. I am not Holy Spirit. He lives in us. I don't claim to be always right, contrary to popular opinion. I am not always right. Most of the time. Not always right. So, but how exciting is it to know that the way, the purpose for which God created woman was to be a help and to help in the same way that God helps. Like he's put that on us. That is our assignment. That's powerful when you talk about that kind of help. So that was the original intent. You know, and maybe that's why God didn't rest until after the woman was created. Could he have been like, well, she got it from here. Like, I can go rest now because the woman's here. That's just, the, that's the gospel according to Bethany. That's not, take that with a grain, take that with a grain of salt, please. Like, especially you people online that aren't here in the room. 
So let's move on to Genesis 3. <laughs> so the, the serpent tempts Eve first. I have heard it said it's because women don't have discernment. And so, of course, he goes to her first. I don't know if the person who said that had ever actually paid attention to the women in his life. Could it have been the serpent went to tempt Eve first because of what God had put on her life as the helper that she had the kind of influence that he's like, I can get an end right here. This is the way it's going to happen. Just asking questions. Just think about it. See what the Lord, you know, see what he says about it. Womanhood has always been under attack throughout history because women are important to the kingdom plan. They're, they're a crucial part of the kingdom plan. Woman is not a problem to solve, but a jewel to be valued and celebrated. Creation, the creation story affirms women, and it's important because that gives us a glimpse of God's original design. So I'm going to fly through these. These are not going to get as much attention, but go study them. So in total, there are 317 women or groups of women mentioned in what we call the Old Testament. We got time for those, 317? Well. Y'all good? I'll get, I'll get too fired up by the end of it. Y'all be so tired. So these, among these women, there were some examples of amazing leaders, not just women, you know, staying in the back of the tent, staying silent. There were some leaders even in the Old Testament. So let's just go through a few of them. Now, in no way are these women perfect, and I think that makes it even more powerful that they were leaders and that they actually protected and guided God's people because it was him. It's not the perfect people that he picks, thank goodness. So Sarah, y'all probably heard of Sarah, the mother of Isaac um, and the nation of Israel. Now, she made some pretty bad mistakes, am I right? Yet, she shows up in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, and is heralded for her faith. Miriam, the sister of Moses, she helped lead God's people out of bondage in Egypt. Deborah, the warrior judge, led God's people in a national and a spiritual capacity. Like she was actually a leader appointed in a position. Hannah, her prayer and sacrifice produced the prophet Samuel, who was a huge influence on the future of God's people. And then we all know Esther. Esther saved an entire generation and the future of God's people by her courage. There were prophetic voices also. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when Gunnar was talking about King Josiah? And they, he was the one who did right in the sight of the Lord and the priests found the book of the law when they were doing some renovations to the temple. Well, when Josiah read, had the book read to him, he tore his clothes because he knew by what he had just heard that God's wrath was coming for the children of Israel. He knew they were in bad shape. He was desperate. So he sent the priest and a group of four male messengers to go find a prophet and get a word from the Lord. This was a desperate time. 
the future of God's people was just hung in the balance. Now, who do they go find? Huldah. You ever heard of Huldah? I had not. I guess I had read it before, but I had not before this study. So they went to find Huldah. Now, I want to mention there were other prophets they could have chosen from. There were other prophets, one being Jeremiah. He was alive during this time. There's some debate on whether or not he was there in the city at the time. But Huldah gave a word from the Lord, and it influenced the, his, the future of the, the people of Israel. So we've covered women leaders, women prophetesses, if you want to say it like that. But what I am most passionate about in my lineup that I'm sharing today is a story about somebody who was not a leader. She was not even one of God's chosen people. She was an Egyptian slave woman named Hagar. Now, I won't go through the whole story to set the scene, but she, she was the slave of Sarah, who I mentioned earlier, and Abraham, who would go on to have um, Isaac and, and God's chosen people. But basically, so she was, um, she was mistreated by her mistress. She was held in contempt. She was used to birth a child that they could not have. And then she was wandering in the wilderness. Now, this happened twice. She was off in the wilderness. First time she was so miserable with Sarah that she just ran away. She was like, I'll take my chances in the wilderness. Second time, she was dismissed. She was turned out. So in Genesis 16 and 21, the angel of the Lord comes to Hagar in the wilderness twice, speaks audibly to her twice. This is the voice of the Lord, calls her by name, brings her water, provides for her. How many people in the Bible do you know that God brought them a drink? I don't know. Not many. Not many that he even appeared to and spoke audibly to. But Hagar was one of them, and we know the account. It was in the Bible. She felt so bold after this first encounter with the Lord because he came so near. She spoke back, and she gave him a new name, Elroy, the God who sees me. A single mother, not esteemed by anybody. Her son was, I mean, he was going to cause a lot of trouble for the, you know, she had a future. He was going to cause a lot of trouble, though. She's hurt, but God is good. He values women. You know, he could have just let her wander and die in the wilderness. Who cares? But he did. So he's the God who sees and rescues Egyptian slave women. He's the God who created women to image him and help like him. And he's the God who raises up women leaders to save his people. So that's where we are so far. It's your turn. And that was all in what we call the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. And so... Jesus comes along, who I think in Colossians says he is the image of the invisible God. 
If you want to know what God's like, look no further than Jesus. So if you want to know how God feels about women, how God treats women, just look at Jesus. He didn't do anything outside of the will of his father. So the life he lived and the, the demonstration of his life should tell us exactly how God feels about women. And what we see in the life of Jesus is he empowered women. He valued women. He honored women. He made much of women. I mean, Jesus' best friend women had in the, throughout the history of the Bible. And so I think about the, the woman at the well, John 4. He goes out of his way. The certain time of the day, nobody else is at the well. Except I, I think Jesus knew there was a woman that would come because she's trying to avoid people because she had a reputation and, and he met her there and all, not only spent time with her, but poured into her. He broke societal norms, cultural norms, just even being there with her, spoke life into her. So a, a Jewish rabbi traveling through town meets a, a woman who's been around. I mean, she just didn't have a great reputation. And instead of calling out her sin with condemnation, he calls it out so he can lift her up. And what's really cool about it is that Jesus changes her life. And she becomes the messenger to her city. I cannot hold back what Jesus has done in my life. And so, in one moment, this woman becomes a minister of the gospel. I mean, because she met Jesus at a well. Changed her life. Jesus took time out to do that. I think about the woman caught in adultery. John 8, they're about to stone her. He says, hold up. He who is without sin casts the first stone. Mercy. He's like, let me teach you what mercy looks like. And he takes a woman who's broke, I mean, broken the law. My question's always been, where's the man at? Like, you know. But he takes time and he, he, lists, he says, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. Um, I think about when he's on the cross. Jesus is hanging and he's dying on the cross. And by the way, the only disciple that we know of, male disciple, that Scripture mentions being at the cross is John. You know who else was there? The women. When the men took their tails and, and ran, literally ran so hard, one of his clothes fell off, trying to get away from everybody. He is, uh, he's empowering. He says, he says, mother, behold your son. John, take care of my mom. Honors his mother, even in his dying breath. He had women followers. I know some of the, Things we see in art and movies and stuff is a bunch of Jesus and the boys, you know. 
there was a lot of women following Jesus, and uh, they weren't all, this is the, the women followed him, and they cared for him. And you think, well, Jesus, you want some fritters? You know, like, <laughs> that's what we think. Like, y'all need to wash your clothes, you know, stuff like that. It wasn't just that. There were powerful financial backers that were women that followed Jesus. It's, they literally supported him. One of, one of those ladies was James and John's mom, was, was, I don't know where their dad was, but this was a fishing industry, fishing, fishing business, and she was one of the ones supporting the ministry of Jesus. Important women following Jesus. Jesus equipped them. He sent the women out with his disciples. He entrusted them. How about this? When Jesus rose from the dead, again, perfect timing, that it was the women that found out first. And not only found out, but it's the women he sent. He told us, go tell the boys. <laughs> so really, the gospel, the resurrection, the good news that Jesus is alive was first delivered from the mouth of a woman. Wow. It's overwhelming, really, because at the time... And I think I've taught on this before, like in a court of law, a woman's opinion or testimony really wasn't counted as much. And God chooses a woman to carry that testimony. Like just goes over and above. It seems, seems to be over and over. He empowered them. This is my, my favorite right here. Uh, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost. One of the, the believers in the upper room were filled with the Spirit. Do you think all those guys were men? No, men and women are going out and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're testifying about the mighty works of God or the mighty wonders of God in languages that people from all over the world are hearing in. Peter stands up and he says, I know this looks weird. He didn't say that, that's my. I know this looks weird, but the prophet Joel spoke of this and this is what he says. He quotes Joel 2 in Acts 2 verses 17 through 18. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. It's almost like he, and the girls get it too. I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And then we look beyond that. Just women in the early church. In, uh, when Jesus, when they bring Jesus to the temple, when he's a baby, and they go through the ritual thing and the circumcision and all that, eighth day, there's a there's a, a man named Simeon. He says, my eyes have seen who I've been waiting for. He's a prophet, right? And he says, this is the Messiah. Well, same day, there's a prophetess, Anna. And it says that Anna gets all excited about it and runs around and telling everybody, in the temple. Again, the, the announcement of the Messiah was given to a woman to share. She's tight with Jesus. She'd been tight with God. She'd been in the temple day and night. She's a widow, spent a lot of time in prayer, and she knew we're getting close. We're getting close. And she got so fired up when she saw Jesus, she couldn't keep her mouth shut, and she just went telling everybody. <laughs> and then we see in Acts chapter 21, Philip's four daughters four young daughters, probably teenagers I've, I've read, 
prophesying the word of the Lord when seemingly the, like some of the main apostles were in, in the room. <laughs> Think about that. That God would use teenagers, girls, to even prophesy to the main guys, you know, the apostles. And then you've got Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 11. It talks about women prophesying. By the way, taste test for next week. That's in the same passage where it says women keep silent. How can he say women keep silent and prophesy? How do you prophesy silently? <laughs> okay. You curious? All right. Come back next week. All right. And then in Romans 16, Acts 28, there's a couple named uh, Priscilla and Aquila, or Prisca is another way to say her name, house church leaders in the early church. A couple that really brought a lot of clarity to, and really correction, if you read Acts 28, like, hey, you don't have that right? Here's actually what's going on. And a woman was part of that. Like, it was a team. It was a duo. And then you've got deaconesses like Phoebe in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 16. And I'll just say that too. Like, even when Paul says later, here's the qualifications for deacon. And it says men, 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 men. It says men should do this and men, men. But wait, we got women deacons in the Bible. So the scripture must interpret scripture. I'm getting ahead of myself. But next week, we got women who are servants and have titles in the church deaconesses, okay? And then we got, in Romans 16, even apostles. There was a lady named Junia. And while not original apostle, not an original apostle like the main 12 guys, which were all men, she was listed by Paul as an apostle. And that word apostle just means one who sent or a sent one. And probably Junia was like a, a missionary church planter kind of type of figure there's someone who is carrying a lot of weight in the kingdom right there and is, has been given a responsibility and has been trust, entrusted by God to take the gospel to people who have not heard it yet. A sent one. And it's a woman. All right. So the overarching story of the Bible, whether you agree with the theology that we're going to talk about next week and all that stuff, the overarching theme of the Bible is God gives a resounding yes to women. I mean, it's a big yes. Going out of his way to seek out a single mom in the desert to the first messenger of the resurrection, like women are a big deal to God. And I think it's so apparent if you read the Bible, maybe he had to be that way because the enemy's got this thing against women. I really believe that. I believe that that's why he came after her. She carries something. I'm not saying in this series what we're not doing is elevating women above men. I think culture has kind of went that way. We don't take our cues from culture. We take our cues from, from what Jesus says in his word. And so that's what I, I want to kind of, as we're wrapping this thing up, everybody comes to the Bible with lenses. And we're always looking and reading 
through something that we've already heard or something that we, maybe we picked up some cues culturally, socially, and how to view things. And we read the Bible with Western eyes. We read the Bible with American eyes. And none of these folks were Americans, okay? And it was a long time ago, and things were different. And so we need to actually read in context and take our lenses off. That's the purpose of the series, is just taking our lenses off. Cultural conversation around women has been great. It has led to progress. It has led to breakthrough. I mean, ladies couldn't even vote not that long ago, okay? So we're not against it. Listen, it's been great. And there's the, the feminist movement, no matter how you feel about all that stuff. It, it created some liberty and some freedom for women. I think the church should have led that charge personally. But, but regardless, God values women. He honors women. And um, so we got to come this whole conversation, like I said at the beginning, with a sense of humility of like, maybe I don't know everything and maybe if I come at the Bible with an unbiased opinion, an unbiased eyes, take my lenses off, and let's really dig deep, what would I find there about women? And I think just in a 30,000-foot view, women are a big deal to God. They're not secondary citizens in the kingdom. And um, he has a lot to say about it. So why don't you kind of wrap us up, and then we'll... So when Gunnar and I started talking about this series, um, I was out walking the dog one day, and I was just kind of wrestling with some things that I was thinking about. And I called him and I said, you know, as we're talking about, you know, empowering women and, you know, women in the Bible and women in ministry, one thing that doesn't set well with me is if we do this in a way that is not kingdom. When you talk about why women in ministry, my question is, well, why is anybody in ministry? Um, you know, I applaud the people who have come before me and have, you know, quote, broken glass ceilings and have, you know, made a way for, like, me to be able to vote and to have my own bank account and some of those kind of things. Like, I applaud all of that. But one thing is the church that I feel like that we should be, that we should take on and be aware of is that we don't fight the same way that culture fights. Um, you know, the Bible says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand and he will lift you up. You know, Jesus, he didn't fight, when he came to earth, he didn't fight the Romans in the same way that they expected him to. He never fought for his rights or put anybody down because they didn't treat him a certain way. I'm not saying we should let people walk over us. But what I am saying is I think that one important thing for believers is that everything we do, let it be done in love and in humility. Now, from what we've talked about today, if God has put a calling and a purpose on your life, you don't have to fight people to own that. People don't own your calling. No man, no person owns your purpose for being here. So you don't have to fight anybody. You just live it and operate in your God-given purpose. Yeah, yeah. So as we're, coming, as we're coming to this, you know, we don't come from, like Gunnar said, we're not putting men down. 
for one thing. We're not putting any other people down. We're not trying to fight our way up just to hold some position. Um, just because, well, I should be able to be on a stage because I want to be on a stage. It's not that kind of attitude. I feel like the reason, you know, he's already said because we want to be biblical, but also if God is calling women to partner with him to be a conduit for his love everywhere we go, if he's calling the body of Christ to be a conduit to bring the kingdom everywhere we go, and to be under his rule, think of us like a drinking straw. If the straw is a conduit for what goes through it, then we don't want to restrict. We don't want to have any of that, any of our straws restricted, I guess is how you could say. We want the purposes of God and God's glory. We want the full expression of it here on earth. So we want to be full conduits of what he wants to do, of his voice, of his work, everything that he wants to bring to earth to bring his kingdom here. And so that's another of our purposes. It's not to fight for our place so that we can have what we want. It's not to fight for some sort of value because we don't get our value from other people. Our value comes from God. So I don't have to strangle somebody else for my value. Like, I can just walk in it because he's already given it. So, from a woman's perspective, I want to keep that in mind, is we're not here, we're not here to, to fight our way through or to, you know, break anybody else down or to try to fight for some, oh, look, I'm, I already have a seat at the table. I have a seat at God's table. So, I don't have to fight for any kind of a seat. I have it because my father gives it to me. So I just want to keep that in mind that we're coming at this to be biblical and to let what he wants to do happen in humility, not because we're going to fight like everybody else does. That's good. It's not about us. It's mm -hmm. about the kingdom. Right. So if you didn't know it, we affirm women. We value women here. And um, not because we're trying to be woke. I hate that term. Let's all quit using that term. Quit calling people names. But because I just see how God sees and see how he feels. And it's clear in scripture. And so that's what we're going to do. And I know this morning probably raised more questions. Yeah, but what about Timothy? What about... Corinthians, we're going to talk about that next week and the weeks to come, okay? And you're going to hear some, from some amazing women. We're having a panel up here in a few weeks, and it's going to be, it might get wild. Um, it's already wild. But here's what I know. Um, many of you in the room and maybe listening online have never felt like as a woman, you've never felt like your voice was shut down. You felt like you've had freedom to, to share your opinion, to, to lead, to, you know, fill in the blank. It's, it's been good for you, okay? But I know there are many women in the room and listening online that have not had that experience. 
perhaps you grew up in a home where um, women weren't just valued, but maybe even abused or beaten. I mean, in the reality of things. And sometimes we can do that in church in not a physical way. And so I know that some of you might come from a place where there's been some real hurt in the past in this area. And, um, and I just want to, I just want to pray over all the women that call the dwelling home. Just if you're watching online or if you're in this room, we just want to pray. First of all, we want you to be who you are in Christ. We create spaces for people to encounter God as a father, discover their identity, and fulfill their purpose. And I think sometimes we can put a lid on even what that looks like or means. But I want to take that lid off and just go ahead and say that this house will be a place that, um, that will value you and empower you and affirm you, no matter who you are, man, woman, boy, or girl. So I'm going to make such a big deal of the next generation. It's important that our, that our kids have a space to, to, to encounter him, to know their identity, and actually live out their purpose. Do you know a third grader has a purpose? And so we're not, we're not capping that off of anybody. So women's is, it's the same way. Men, same way. We create spaces for that to happen. So I don't, I really know how to, I wanted to close this, but I think uh, maybe if, if you don't mind, women, could you just stand? And we just, we want to honor you, but we want to also pray for you. I'm going to let Bethany kind of lead out and then I'll close this. If you're, if you're nearby, just maybe just stretch your hand out toward the closest lady next to you. And, uh, we just want to bless you and pray over you. God, we just thank you for your kindness. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you created us um, and involved us in what you're doing. We thank you that you've always treated us with love and with um, value. God, there hasn't been a moment when you have not treated us with value. So, God, I just thank you for all um, the women in this room and watching online. I thank you for just what you've poured into them. Lord, the unique purpose that you've created them for, where you place them in the body, the, the gifts that they bring, and the talents, Lord, and just the availability, the things that only they can do. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that you would just break off any, uh, any words that should not be there, words that yes. are not part of your truth in Jesus' name. I just cancel the assignment of the enemy and any oppression um, that he started in their lives in Jesus' name. Lord, we do not agree with, if it's not a gift from you, we return it to sender. Right now, God, we agree with you. Um, the things that we've agreed to that are not your truth, we just turn away from right now. And we just... 100% fully trust you as a good father, and we 100% fully agree with your truth, 
and your rule and reign over our lives. Um, God, I pray that right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just speak um, truth to individual individuals and that you would bring whatever healing that only you know needs to happen. Lord, we believe in your power and we believe that you can do what you want. God, we don't even know what to pray. We just, we open our doors wide for you to do exactly what you want, Holy Spirit. We honor you and we trust you. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information about The Dwelling, visit thedwellingchurch.org.